in say 20, 2021 and beyond, now we're, we're having more conversations than ever about production, right? Mm -hmm. And how we can push the envelope from not just prototyping or manufacturing aids um, or, or even tooling, right? And things that support production, but actual finished parts off the printer that are gonna go into a final product. And, you know, that's, that's where the industry is constantly pushing things and wanting to take things. Hello there, Internet. My name is Adam Fosnott. I'm a mechanical engineer, and I have been working with 3D printers of all shapes and sizes for over seven years. I've worked with machines from under $200 to over $200,000, and I have learned so much in the process. One thing I noticed is that a 3D printer tends to be judged on two extremes, one being a press release where everything is shiny and perfect, and the other being a YouTube review where a lot of times every product gets criticized. Another insight is that there tend to be two worlds in 3D printing, one being the industrial space and the other the hobby space, and those two worlds rarely talk to each other. This podcast breaks down those barriers to have a transparent, no BS conversation about the world of 3D printing and technology. I'm so happy to have you on board. Let's get started. All right, to, uh, to kick things off, Adam, could you introduce yourself to the audience? Yes, uh, so my name is Adam Simons. I am the uh, head of sales and product for additive manufacturing line at Trump Inc. Uh, based in North America. So I support um, all of Mexico, US and Canada with our additive manufacturing equipment sales. Awesome. And we're going to dive into kind of the nuances of both your experience um, selling engineering solutions, but also more mm. into Trump and what you offer um, and kind of the results that you're looking for for your customers. Um, before we get there, um, just to help the audience get to know you a little better, um, yeah. I invite you to share something about yourself kind of outside of what you do for work. Yeah, so um, I, I'm from Western New York. Um, so I've been uh, uh, living here for about the last 12 years, but prior to that, what grew up in this area, um, had an opportunity to move to, to New York City and Chicago for um, about four years apiece in between there, but I'm a big Buffalo uh, Bills fan and uh, love going to games, uh, love live sports in general. Um, I do get to play a little golf, except for less than uh, uh, usual these days because uh, I've got a ever-growing family of four kids now, uh, two girls, two boys. Um, but yeah, since I um, started with, with Trump a few months ago, I've, I've been doing a lot more traveling, which I enjoy as well. Um, and I also do some gardening, cooking, things like that. Nice, nice. Um, I've always loved cooking, so that's something that we can yeah. we can share. <laughs> have, have nothing better that nothing <laughs> better than cooking things that you're able to grow too. So it's part of the uh, the benefit of living in a rural area. Nice. Um, lots of land and um, space to do things in. See, I, I don't have that benefit because everything I've tried to grow just dies very quickly. <laughs> I think I think we've kept alive like a basil plant ever um, <laughs> for a whole Basil's season. Basil's good. Yeah. <laughs> Basil's good. An, an important ingredient in cooking. So uh, it's a good start. Essential. <laughs> yes. um, 
so full disclosure for the audience, because we're all about transparency here. Um, Adam and I used to work together, um, helping companies adopt industrial level 3D printers. Um, it was uh, it was always a lot of fun working together. And now that we've kind of moved on to, to some new projects um, and Adam is overseeing all of North America, I thought it would be a good opportunity to, to kind of bring you on on the podcast. Um, but I like to, to rewind a bit. Um, when did you first get introduced to 3D printing? So, yeah, in, in our previous organization, right, we we. Um... I was I was really introduced to 3D printing back in say early 2010s um, when I I started supporting and selling SolidWorks and I think at that point you know equipment was starting to really um, get very reliable and being able to to print parts in a way that was not just in in basic plastics basic geometries right they were actually able to support some really good applications in, in engineering and that's when it really became interesting to me um customers really drove me to want to learn more about 3d printing just by talking with them and and having that interaction with them um their interest levels just continued to to increase and and get more and more um uh, knowledgeable in terms of the things that they wanted to accomplish with 3D printing. And it was just a, a different way for for me and for us to support customers with the, the goals and solutions that they were trying to, to achieve at their their organization. So that that's, I kind of got into engineering technology solutions in general by accident, right? I, <laughs> I, I, came, I uh, came out of college, um, you know, and got into investment banking and then ultimately into uh, finance and software and um, how I made that transition to engineering technology solutions is, you know, just honestly by chance, but I've loved it. <laughs> and it's uh, just something I've wanted to build my career around and, and 3D printing was a very natural next step for me um, in, in terms of career growth, because it's where the industry's really wanting to take things in terms of manufacturing and um, in terms of, you know, supporting applications at their, at their different facilities. Okay. Um, so you started in investment banking and I'm guessing yeah. you, I'm guessing you were selling some sort of software for investment banking or were you like yeah. on the, on the trading floor? No. So <laughs> uh, originally when I came out of school, I was a cold calling stockbroker. Okay. So I was in sales, but selling like uh, New York Stock Exchange uh, traded stocks okay. um, and and building a book of business around the, that type of uh, product. And I think, you know, what, what led me out of that ultimately was, um, you know, the market kind of took a, a nice dip, as we all know, in the 2008 timeframe. Yeah. Uh, and... I had an opportunity to take a, a position at a company that kind of leveraged my knowledge in finance and securities, but was a, a software product. It was basically like the first versions of online training for bankers and commercial okay. bankers, investment bankers. Yeah. So it was like when that whole revolution of online learning started, I'm definitely dating myself at this point <laughs> but but yeah so so when that all started um there was a couple of companies doing it and 
Um, that's how I kind of made a transition into software solutions in general. Gotcha. And then from there, when I left that industry, I was, uh, I was working as a, a GM at a restaurant. Okay. And I was talking with a patron who had a, had a job at a company that sold engineering solutions. I told him about what I used to do. And he's like, hey, I think you'd be a great fit for this job opening we have. You should, you should think about it. So, so I applied and, and that's how I got into selling engineering technology solutions. You so must have that, made it was that, such a good impression at the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it honestly, um, you know, it, it, in my experience, sales has always been a, um, um, very much so about your ability to to want to help people and how genuine you are and in, in helping part partnering with those those individuals and helping them achieve what they want to achieve. Um, so the transition honestly wasn't uh, wasn't that difficult from finance to to engineering. Honestly, it, it's it's still about you know helping customers. And you have to learn maybe some some different products and different ways of, of thinking and doing things. But I was always kind of a math driven person and um, engineering and, and um, you know, CAD software and 3D printing is is really a, a math driven kind of technology. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was more of a natural fit than I ever expected it to be. And uh, it's, it's been, it's been a, a nice ride for the last decade or so. Yeah. I mean, if you stuck with it for over a decade, I would imagine yeah. that, you know, it's, it's treated you well. Um, and I just wanted to, to kind of highlight what you said about um, sales being about serving the customer and helping them achieve results. Um, yeah. Like a lot of engineers, sometimes I'm like you, salespeople, because like in society, we have such a slimy reputation of the yeah. guy they use car lot selling people something. Um, but to your point, I think if you have that, that service mindset behind what you're doing, you could enjoy selling a lot of different types of things and enjoy working yeah. with those customers. 100%. I think um, I have I have probably told more people in um meetings and you know this that we aren't a good fit for what they're trying to accomplish more so than i've told them we are a good fit right so it's i think customers and and people interested in technology they're smart you know ultimately they'll figure it out but if you can be upfront with them early in the process and and more so disqualify yourself as a potential solution. They appreciate that more and are more often to come back to you when they understand where you do fit. So, you know, that's always been our approach and I know you understand that. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, so you got into 3D printing kind of before, or were exposed to at least before the, the big boom between yeah. 2012 and 2015 or 16. Um, so you were at least in proximity to it during that whole time that you were working yeah. with engineering companies. How did you see some of those conversations change over time from like, oh, 3D printing sounds really cool. Can you tell me about it to, you know, where we are today in 2019 yeah. through 2021? Um, what were people asking about? Yeah. 
Hey there, it's Adam. Could you do me a favor? If you are enjoying this podcast, could you rate it five stars wherever you happen to be listening? It's totally free of charge, and through the magic of internet algorithms, it will help more people hear the podcast. Thanks. Yeah, so early, it was like, you saw, I think you saw more people buy the equipment because they they just wanted one, right? They mm-hmm. were really like, ooh, that's that's cool. Or I read an article on it, or I saw it on the news. We should just buy one, right? Because we've got the money. Let's just do it. And then there was really very little, um, how do we get payback on this? Or what applications are we going to use this for? It was really, let's just get it in, see what we can do. And those were like the really early adopters. And there was a lot of them, right? In Mm -hmm. all sorts of different industries. It's it's a salesman's dream, right? Because you're literally sitting back like, and they're calling you there like, oh, I saw your flyer. I want to buy one of those. And you had to do very little to support that sale, right? Um, but then you, you fast forward, say, to that 2015, 2016 time, and the technology's changing. It's becoming more capable. I think along with that, there's more bells and whistles. It becomes more expensive. All of a sudden, you've kind of got those people that were just raising their hand saying, I want one of those to now, ooh, it's how much? Okay, what's the payback? What applications are we going to do? And it kind of forced, you know, um, the approach from the, the sales and service and support end to say, okay, we need to really help the customer identify really good spots and areas that they can use the technology if they're going to invest in it and continue investing in it. Um, and it's it's it was an absolutely a situation where um prototyping and those early parts those early portions in the design cycle or in in development of uh, manufacturing aids or whatever the case may be it was a great fit for that stuff right but convincing customers that it could be more than that right that's where the challenge came in um you could only do so much at the prototype stage and, and customers know that they know like what they spend there and they're willing to invest there, but expanding that scope out into all the other different areas where 3D printing can potentially add value. That's where our, our jobs really came in. And that's where we, you know, had to take those conversations. Now in say 20, 2021 and beyond, now we're, we're having more conversations than ever about production right mm-hmm. and how we can push the envelope from not just prototyping or manufacturing aids um, or or even tooling right and things that support production but actual finished parts off the printer that are going to go into a final product and you know that's that's where the industry is constantly pushing things and wanting to take things and there's as it develops there are becoming better fits for that end of things but there's still you know work to be done and and things that that need to be accomplished between now and then not just from a a technology standpoint but from the way customers design things right um and and you know they can't design things the same way that they did in 1992 and expect 2022 technology um, with 3D printing to work the same way. It's a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> I oh, imagine for a lot of a lot of companies. Totally. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Adam, you know, it's like 
you still get those companies that bring you the block with four holes in it, right? And can mm -hmm. you 3D print this? Of course you can 3D print this, but why would you want to, yeah. right? It's just, it's, it's easy to mill. It takes an hour to get done where it would take eight hours to print. There's nothing difficult about this part, you know, just, just mill it. Um, or you still get the questions, can we, can I print a car door? No, you, you can't print a car door. Um, maybe someday and, and maybe it will be feasible to do so one day, um, not from just from a technology capability standpoint, but from a cost perspective, but yeah. why there's better ways to do it, you know? So um, you, you still have a lot of that out there and it is a lot of uh, educating um, customers on what are good fits or how you can help your design or what you want to do be a good fit for, for additive and then kind of build on it from there. Right. Um, the other thing that keeps coming to my mind when I look at um, what we're doing at Powerbelt and other production focused printing processes on the plastic side is everything is designed for injection molding. But yeah. when things are designed for injection molding, they're often designed very badly for 3D printing um, yeah. because the walls are super thin or there are super tight tolerances and different fits and all those other things. Um, so I think you yeah. have to take the process into it's a careful consideration. Um, I know Trump does lots of different machine tools. Yeah. Would it be fair to say that in the 3D printing group also, you have a very production oriented focus? Yes. Um, mainly because, um, you know, we're, we're only printing metal. Um, and I think that in order for customers to really under, you know, realize the investment that they want to make in a metal printer that they want to produce final parts. It's just, it's just the reality. Is it a good benefit to have that equipment for prototype development and testing and doing new designs and R and D work? Absolutely. hundred percent. And it's, and it's used for that too. But um, when you start to get into the, the larger equipment and um, obviously the increased investment, I think customers are really, really looking for those opportunities to produce parts in a more cost-effective way. Gotcha. And metal 3D printing right now is yeah. a really popular topic. There yeah. are lots of startups. There are lots of startups going public or expecting to go public. Um, yep. Just uh, desktop metal went public. Mark IV is just planning on it. Um, I think Velo 3D has announced that they're planning to go public, all yep. with specs. Um, so it's without a doubt a very uh, trendy topic. Um, what is Trump's take on metal 3D printing, and what kind of separates you from um, the desktop metals, the EOSs? The concept yeah. lasers, concept lasers, an old name at this point. Uh, GE additive. <laughs> yeah, GE additive. Um, so the the take is that there, um, not only are there a lot of different companies, there's a lot of different technologies and ways to print metal, right? And I think that there is a seat at the table, honestly, for a lot of these different technologies. Um, you look at um, um, metal fusion technology, which is what Trump does. Um, and you compare that to say e-beam or jetting, like what desktop metal does or what Arcam did, does. Um, there's, there's 
benefits and and advantages and disadvantages to every process, honestly. And it, it really comes down to the types of parts and goals that you have for a finished part to really determine what the best technology is. And you know, it, even if you look at the, the the metal fusion technology and the different players in there, like I mentioned earlier, if if it's the Daytona 500, we're on lap 20, and there is just so much development that can still be done and improvement that can still be had in this equipment. And there's more customers finding great fits for the technology today. I mean, you're seeing it all over the place, right? And aerospace and this whole shift in this in this space race right this new age space race with with rockets and um you know um, antenna applications and um being able to print aluminum and, and titanium in ways that can actually you know be functional and work in parts for aerospace and space is is phenomenal um with that said there's still so much more that can that can be done. I mean, there is a whole development aspect and there's so many variables in this equipment that can be tweaked and changed and, and dialed in to continue making the parts better and better and better. And as soon as you feel like you have all of that dialed in, the industry's like, oh, let's go bigger, right? Let's make a <laughs> bigger part. And then it's kind of, you start right from scratch, right? And then you're you're trying to make your, your parts even taller or, you know, wider, whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, what's, what's the best process for that? And, you know, you're constantly going to have this evolution and it's going to take, um, you know, time, it's going to take years to, to continue developing. Um, that's what makes this exciting. Um, and, and there's still plenty of opportunity for, for Trump and for, um, you know, people in this space to to get involved and to be a partner for these companies that want to make these production parts um and 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 make a run at it right make make their equipment the the best that it can be and and be an industry leader so we're we're really excited about that um, we've got a lot of opportunity in north america to to work and make that happen definitely so from the sounds of it you guys are doing DMLS serving aerospace. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's different applications and different materials. Yeah. Because um, to your I, point, there is so much opportunity in the space. But what's yeah. what's like the main one? I, honestly, I I bring up aerospace and those examples because they're the most mature. Okay. Right. They're they're the ones that have have been really, really determined to push this for a lot of different reasons, as, as you know, like lightweighting and just cutting costs, right? And um, being fast. If you're in space right now, you wanna be fast, right? Because you don't wanna be the second person to send a rocket to Mars, you wanna be the first person to send a rocket to Mars, right? So <laughs> um, so it it's, it's, has a lot of advantages there and they've thrown a ton of resources and, and engineering at it to, to make it happen. With that said, 3D printing is a great fit for orthopedic applications. Uh, 3D printing is a great fit for printing um, tools and molds. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of other areas that are less mature, but still a ton of opportunity, right? Um, where Trump has um, done most of their development and where we're um, really excited about and differentiating ourselves is 
as you know, during that um, melt pool process and the solidification of the, the part as part of the laser welding it, um, introducing stress to that part, right? And depending on the type of material that you, you're working with, the um, you know tougher, harder alloys are going to have more stress. So what Trump has done is developed a preheat of 500C um, as part of their process for printing these, these harder titaniums and super alloys, we'll call them. Um, and the data is very exciting in terms of the part quality that we're able to get um, as a result and the difference between 200C and 500C in terms of a preheating capability. Um, and having less warpage and less stress introduced to the part is very exciting um, and something that's very new. And I think it's going to be really for aerospace or for medical um, game changing in terms of the way that they're able to print parts in these in these alloys um, and uh, post-process and treat them on the back end to really get what they're looking for. So. That, that's one thing that, um, you know, in terms of differentiation and, and one thing, one area we're focused on is this, this preheating concept um, that is now we're getting data on that's, that's proving that it's, it is definitely different, not only um, from what competitors are doing, but very influential on how that part is, is ultimately uh, made and, and being able to be used. Right. I think residual stress is almost like the the problem in dmls that nobody wants to talk about um yeah. <laughs> like you, yeah. you don't see it in press releases very often you just see like a nice pretty picture of a part welded to the build tray um but the amount of work that goes on after the fact yeah. is substantial um and any way that you can reduce that probably has a ton of value for the person actually running the equipment do you want to be a guest on this podcast? If so, go to 3dprintauthority.com slash forms to apply. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of the, the um, better adoption of the technology too is people now kind of understand that um, there is post-processing and, and treatment of the part that's required to get the, the part quality that you want. Um, and it's becoming more accepted. And the the changes of post-processing capabilities on the back end and that technology continues to evolve and develop too and and change to support additive so that's a whole nother variable that um you know is is kind of coming along with this to say the the people that were post-processing parts previously they're understanding that this wave of of additive parts is coming and they're mm -hmm. preparing right and they're they're developing the technology around additive so that they can support these parts better or sell equipment to companies that will need to post process these parts quicker and better so that's that's all kind of changing and and revolving as well yeah i'm excited to see what i guess our our machine shops and our production lines look like in three, five years once these things yeah. are more, more widely accepted and used on a daily basis. Um, totally. So from what I understand, Trump is a German company, right? With Correct. a U.S. headquarters? Yep. Okay. Yeah, so they're, uh, they're based in Germany. 
and there are facilities in Connecticut, Farmington, as well as um, De uh, Plymouth, which is near Detroit. And then there's also a California facility. Gotcha. Um, and when it comes to your role specifically, is it building out, because I'm, I'm fascinated with how European 3D printing companies kind of uh -huh. come over to America. I find that yeah. often it has to do with setting up a headquarters and an LLC and a president of America and all this other stuff. Um, yeah. What what's that like? And what's what's your what's your role in kind of that expansion? Yeah, well, most uh, metal 3D printing companies are German. Yes, they are. So <laughs> they they kind of developed the technology over there. And, um, and, and I think that's kind of why in Europe, it's more widely adopted. Um, they 3D print more in Europe, definitely than they do in North America. And, and I think that's just nature of, you know, um, uh, the technology, especially metal technology, beginning there and kind of having roots there. But I think they also recognize that there is huge opportunity in America, right, for for this technology and, and having presence here and having a market here is important to their long-term growth and ultimately uh, stability, right? So um, yeah, it's, it's a, um, a situation where that kind of transition just, just makes sense for those European companies that have those roots in Germany to, to ultimately come over here and, and set up shop, right? Um, like most uh, companies, the production and um, actual um, assembly of the equipment is done in Europe and then the, the equipment is shipped here. Um, but we have, you know, labs and in, in different in different areas and in, in different um, um, showrooms of, of customers that we have equipment in that we can, um, be able to, to give customers demonstrations or show them equipment. They can get that firsthand look at what their equipment looks like, what it, um, you know, firsthand before they would ever um, purchase one. So that, that's all cool. And, and I think that's, um, you know, in terms, of the, in terms of the growth, I think that's what, or how we're establishing ourselves in the growth of it. Um, we're, you know, in terms of laser technology, the additive manufacturing group within Trump in North America is relatively small right now. Um, you know, we're, we're a smaller version of, of the total Trump portfolio, but um, we, we've seen a ton of success, right? And a lot of growth uh, year over year in terms of the number of machines that we're selling and the number of different people that are, are getting Trump equipment on our floor. So we, we have a good strategy moving forward on how we'll expand the group and, and support customers um, as we continue to grow. So that's all, that's all very exciting. And, and that's, that's kind of my role. That's kind of why they brought me in to guide that or, or to, to kind of determine the best way to accomplish that. So um, luckily, lucky for me, I've got good people around me that we kind of make those, those decisions as a, as a team and as a group and then put them into action. Yeah, that's uh, that's exciting. It's a name that I have always recognized for machine tools. Yeah. Um, and it's another thing I'm really fascinated with is machine tool companies getting into additive. Um, yeah. Do you interface with other groups within the organization and kind of, I guess, share notes on what people are trying to accomplish or um, 
working with those other groups to see the value of what you guys are trying to do? Yeah, so that that's definitely part of uh, of my strategy. Yes, so um, working with the machine tool group or working with someone, uh, you know, um, working with customers that bought a laser marking system, right? Their probability of them potentially needing additive equipment is also fairly high. So, you know, being able to reach out to those customers and and just being able to um, leverage the relationship they already have with Trump and and the you know the experience that they've had with our company is is certainly a, a good thing for us right a good sign for us um, but then yeah to your point the machine tool group they're they're kind of they're separate from laser technology um, but lucky for me uh, the manager for the machine tool group at Trump used to have my job so she oh, okay. understands yeah so she understands the value of, of 3d printing and also uh the value of us working closely together so i've had lots of conversations with her on how we can make that happen long term so um yeah that's that's going to be a, an exciting initiative for us moving forward yeah um well i'm excited to to kind of hear those those various aspects um I think one thing that I don't want us to gloss over is you said that Europe does more 3D printing than us. And as like an American, that just feels like blasphemy to me. Um, but I will say we have more power belt customers in Europe than in America. And like all of the internet traffic yeah. for the podcast or for our websites, it's more in Europe than there is in America. Yeah. Um, I feel like sometimes... In, in my day-to-day, -day, I underestimate just how influential it is in that part of the world, especially in the metal, especially in yeah. DMLS. Do you have a question about 3D printing? If so, I would love to answer it. Feel free to leave any questions in the comments down below or go to 3dprintauthority.com slash forms to submit your question. Thanks. Yeah. To totally I, I agree with you I, <laughs> that I, wasn't a question i'm just <laughs> it, 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 i don't i don't know i don't even know how to respond it's uh it, it, i agree with you it's it's i'm I, I i get shocked when i when i take that in as well yeah. but i then i also just sit back and i'm like it's just more opportunity in america to to grow and and do more do more stuff uh you know to try to catch up um, to, to that trend that's already kind of caught on in, in Europe. So, um, yeah, I think, I think we're getting there. I really do. I think, uh, you've seen a major shift in the last five years of people just beyond interest. They want to, to move forward with, with the technology, but now you've got, um, um, even like, um, other countries that are, that want to get into this market too. Right. And they've got, tons of cash right to come in yeah. and, and buy companies and you're, you're starting to see that right the the, the uh, mentioned it before the the nikon purchase of morph 3d right and um that's 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 one way that other countries are going to come to america and you know now that that market is maturing you're going to see probably more and more of those types of acquisitions and and putting their stake in the ground of hey we're this, we've been this type of company in the past, but we're getting into additive and we're going to invest in it in a big way. And this is how. Um, so I, I see a lot of that coming over the next few years.
Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I think it's something that we started seeing towards the end of last year with some of Stratasys' uh-huh. acquisitions. Um, and then we'll start to see yep. more of it um, as people start to take the technology more seriously. Um, and kind of on that note, I like to wrap up with kind of some more high level questions. Um, what is one thing that you don't like about 3D printing? And you can be as vague or as specific as you'd like to. Um, but I like to I like to address, you know, the positives and the negatives of yeah. technologies. So if you had to pick one thing, maybe maybe it's too slow. Maybe it's not accurate enough. Maybe um, you wish um, all the 3D printers weren't black or gray. Um, you <laughs> throw, throw a, a royal blue 3D printer in the industry. <laughs> um. What is one thing I don't like about 3D printing? Um, that's that. That's really difficult to answer. Um, I, I I do wish because there's there's two sides to this answer. So I do wish that the same thing as our customers do. I I do wish that. 3D printers where you could just snap your fingers and you could get any geometry you wanted, you know, as fast as it could print. Um, but the flip side of that is then it wouldn't be challenging, right? Then it would be, then everyone would just buy it and do it, right? I mean, yeah. if, if and, and, and I don't know if, I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know if that's, uh, um, I wouldn't, you wouldn't need me in this industry if, <laughs> if, if it were that easy, right? Um, so I'm, I'm thankful that it's not, but at the same time, I totally wish it was. You know, I, I wish yeah. that we could print anything we wanted to um, as fast as we wanted to. And, um, you know, I think customers, you know, that we work with sometimes think that that's, that's the case and that's how it is. Um, and the reality is we know it's uh it's it can be a lot different than that right um it's a good question adam it's a tough question it is a tough question um and it's a little off script i need to add it to my free <laughs> podcast document so i don't just catch blindside people with it's it it's okay <laughs> but uh, uh yeah it's not it's not a star trek replicator right you can't just exactly. be like computer please make me 10 phone cases exactly <laughs> that's that's what i want though yeah. i wanted to be able to uh, make my dinner too right snap, yes snap my finger and dinner's all hot on the table and then you have a, a part yes uh, yeah that'd be great it, it really would be um kind of the opposite side of that that last question um if you had to pick something outside of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis what's one yeah. thing in 3D printing that you're you're really excited about, whether this is like a trend or a technology or just something that you want to see more of? Um, I think that probably the one of the most exciting applications um, and, and one of the reasons that I, I love what I do is the, the orthopedic end of things, because, mm-hmm. you know, as, as we um, get older inevitably, um, there's probably going to be a time where you do need a hip or a knee 
or a joint um, replaced. And my hope is that all the uh, the effort I've done during my working years pays off for me in my golden years uh, with the ability to get those things fast and, and effectively. Um, I think I think you see that continue to expand into other areas too. And I think, I, I know it's being worked on and I know it's being developed and it's not what I do to, to your question, but 3D printing organs, you know, 3D printing real anatomy that's um, hard to get transplanted from other people or is a, a costly time consuming process. Things like that, that are gonna save lives long-term that, you know, 3D printing, it might not be in 10 years, it might not be in, in 50 years, but I see it trending. And I, I see that as something that's that's down the road that um, you know we can be very proud of as a society that we develop something like that that's changing lives. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good answer. I'm also definitely holding out for some 3D printed knees at some point in the future. I know I'm gonna need them. Yeah. Um, but I think that hopefully we'll we'll reach a point as a society where we look back and are like, what did what did we ever do before we 3D printed replacement kidneys? Yeah. Um, you just you just cut them out of dead people or you found <laughs> you yeah, found it's so weird. <laughs> it's so it's so primitive if you think about it. You didn't grow <laughs> <even> these. <laughs> so barbaric. What were we, what were we doing? Yeah, it's, it's barbaric. Um, I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that you know we can we can get to that point. I know it's I know it seems like it's been worked on for for so many years um, yeah we gotta get things you, you still see the, the 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 occasional news brief right that's like they're 3d printing stem cells and making this and that and it's like that's awesome we'll be able to see that in <laughs> 30 40 50 years someday someday yeah again, someday um Thank you so much for taking the time to kind of share your your experience and some of your story with the with me and uh, and the rest of the audience. Um, I wish you the the best of luck as uh, you try to bring uh, some really great technology into the United States. Um, if there's anywhere um, that people can find you, learn more about what you're doing at Trump, or if there's any specific actions that you'd like the audience to take, now's uh, now's your time. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. Thank you, Adam, first and foremost. I, I love what you're doing here. And um, I know when I reached out, I, I saw a couple of the other podcasts and, and it's just it's just great. And I know you've always been an industry advocate and, uh, um, you know, 100% love supporting this. So thank you for thank having you. me on. It's been <laughs> great. Um, no, I, I would say, um, you know, if you if anyone out there that watches this, if you have in, any kind of interest in um, Metal printing specifically, you know, you absolutely use me and my team as a resource, right? Even if it's just to um, send a message to bounce up an idea off of, um, I know my title says sales, but as I mentioned in this, in this podcast already, um, you know, we're more consultive and we we're, we're here to help people understand the different technologies. And, and I've got enough exposure to the different types of ways to, to print metal that, you know, if we're not a great fit for you, we can probably be, help point you in the right direction. Or if we are a good fit for you, we'll we'll find a good project to work on together and help you vet it out. So we're 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 definitely that type of partner. 
And um, yeah, it, I'm easy to find. You can search me on LinkedIn and shoot me a message that way, or just go to trump.com um, and, and we can get, we have a contact page there that you can reach out to me there. Um, but yeah, we're, we'd be happy to work with anyone that has those types of interest and, and be that partner for them. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Talk to you later. All right. Thank you, sir. I hope you enjoyed this episode where I got to interview Adam Simons from Trump. Talking to different metal 3D printing companies is really interesting because I think metal 3D printing is such a rapidly growing area of the industry. And it was really cool to talk to uh, a European company making their way into America. If you aren't already, please consider subscribing to 3D Prints Authority so you never miss a new episode when they come out every single week. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about me and find all of our episodes, please check out 3dprintauthority.com. And until next time, happy printing.